0: Welcome to the Mindful Life Podcast. Join me, your host, Marianne Eve, Mental Health Social Worker and Mindfulness Educator, as I navigate living my best life with the intention to educate and raise the collective consciousness around the benefits of living a mindful life. Each week via the Mindful Life Podcast, I will bring to you a range of content, including special guests that explore mindfulness, mindset and mental health are you feeling tired or are you under stress are you overloaded or just generally feeling overwhelmed well I'm really excited to share a very special stress reduction tool that I've been using and recommending to my clients for a number of years calm is the number one app for meditation relaxation and sleep With over 21 million downloads and achieving the Apple App of the Year in 2017, Calm is so perfectly aligned with all that I do as a mental health professional and all that I teach here at the Mindful Life Podcast. It is the perfect stress relief strategy and the perfect mindfulness tool. The app has so many fantastic and easy to use features, including Daily Calm, a brand new 10-minute meditation every day. 100-plus guided meditations covering anxiety, focus, gratitude, and so much more. 80-plus sleep stories to settle the mind and relax the body. Exclusive music tracks for focus, relaxation, and sleep. Calm Masterclass featuring world-renowned mindfulness experts. My personal favorites include sleep stories, and I've recently discovered Calm Music, which I have on a continuous loop at my practice, in counselling sessions and in classes. I also love the Calm Masterclass videos, which cover some fantastic topics including gratitude, happiness and mindful eating. And not to mention all the great features the app now offers for kids, including sleep stories, meditations and lullabies. I'm so very excited to be partnering with Calm to bring you, my listeners, some amazing offers. Calm is so generously offering the Mindful Life podcast listeners a free four-week subscription to the Calm premium app. All you need to do is head to the following link, calm.com forward slash calm health trial. That's calm.com forward slash calm health trial and just follow the prompts to enjoy your free four-week trial of calm premium you'll be feeling calm relaxed and at peace in no time the mindful life podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast was recorded We recognise their continuing connection to land, water, and community and pay respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello, and thanks for joining me for episode number two of the Mindful Life podcast. In today's episode, I present an excerpt from my Introduction to Mindfulness course. I discuss some key mindfulness concepts, what it is, and some examples of mindful activities and exercises. I also talk about where mindfulness originated and how it can help us. I unpack the essential components of mindfulness from a Buddhist perspective, along with some of the barriers and the obstacles that we all need to work on to lead our best mindful life. So what is mindfulness? It's paying attention on purpose to the present moment without judgment. It's not thinking about the past or worrying about the future. Mindfulness is being the observer of our thoughts And it's being the observer of our emotions. It's not reacting to or making stories out of our thoughts and our emotions. It's just letting them come, acknowledging them and then letting them go. Mindfulness is practicing gratitude and it's practicing kindness and compassion. Most of all, mindfulness is about having an awareness of mind and having an open and flexible mind. And of course, learning to let go. And in the words of Vietnamese Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh as he describes our need to escape our mind and our reluctance to be alone with our mind, thoughts and emotions and to just be in this moment. People today do not know how to rest. They fill their free time with countless diversions. People cannot tolerate even a few minutes of unoccupied time. They have to turn on the TV or pick up a newspaper, reading anything at all, even the advertisements. They constantly need something to look at, listen to, or talk about, all to keep the emptiness inside from rearing its terrifying head. And I think this quote is so valid in modern society. We are all often escaping into our screens into anything we can really. Many of us can't just sit for a moment without checking our phones and escaping reality, me included. But it's something that I'm continuing to work on. So where did mindfulness originate? The roots of mindfulness are in Buddhism and mindfulness practice has been in existence for nearly three centuries. It's said to have begun with the Buddha in India over 2,600 years ago. And in modern times, it's found its way into the West and into modern psychology. In the 1970s, medical doctor John Kabat-Zinn founded the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Clinic. The idea for this came to him whilst he was meditating. And Kabat-Zinn's course is a combination of mindfulness education, cognitive behavioural therapy, and mindfulness meditation. This mindfulness-based stress reduction course is now world-renowned and much research has been done on this program and its incredible success for treating anxiety and depression. And Kabat-Zinn is now known as the guru of modern mindfulness. And this is what he says about the practice of mindfulness. Mindfulness means paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. So how can mindfulness help us? In modern times and in the modern world, mindfulness is not just about therapy and it's not just being used for therapy to treat mental health disorders. There are many benefits for the entire population to practicing mindfulness. It improves our physical health, increases our immunity, brings our heart rate and our bl- blood pressure down And it reduces our production of the stress hormone cortisol. Research tells us that mindfulness improves concentration, working memory, creativity and attention. And there also is some evidence to suggest that the practice of mindfulness can increase our physical and our mental stamina. And of course, there's much research and anecdotal feedback that tells us that mindfulness practice reduces symptoms associated with mental illness specifically depression and anxiety. So how do we do this mindfulness thing? How do we practically use mindfulness? So let's explore some examples of specific mindfulness activities and exercises. We can keep a gratitude journal noting what we are grateful for and this is a fantastic practice as it emphasizes living in the now because it makes us focus on what we have right now in this moment walking barefoot on different surfaces such as mud, sand, grass, in water. And if we can make the commitment to do this daily, noting mindfully what we feel through the soles of our feet. It's a great grounding activity. We can use a spiky ball uh, under our feet, noting the sensations. We can sit and watch a sunset or a sunrise We can take a walk in nature using our senses to be aware in the moment, focusing on what we can see, what we can hear, what we can smell and what we can feel. We can also take an object from nature, perhaps a leaf or a pine cone and hold it in our hand and study it, looking at every detail. We can eat mindfully, really tasting our food, taking the time to enjoy our food and feeling the textures We can use our sense of smell, smelling oils, flowers, food. Just note what we can smell whenever we think of it. We can paint or we can colour in, do something creative. We can cook following a recipe, bake a cake. It's a great way to keep us in this moment. We can have a mindful shower, focusing on the warmth as the water hits our body and the sensations that we feel. We can drink a warm drink, enjoying its warmth, focusing on the taste and the smell. It's something I enjoy doing, <laughs> double happiness, happiness, is having a mindful shower with a warm drink. We can indulge in a massage, enjoying uh, being touched and how that feels in our body. We can focus on our breath, counting the inhales and the exhales. And we can meditate using our breath or our body sensations to keep us in the moment. And of course, there's many, many more mindfulness activities. You can just ask Google. So let's now explore the essential components of mindfulness and also some of the barriers and obstacles to leading a mindful life and things that we all need to work on. Gratitude. When we practice gratitude, we are reflecting on what we have in this moment. And so gratitude therefore sits hand in hand with our mindfulness practice. When we are grateful, we believe that we have enough and this leaves us feeling fulfilled. Gratitude practice can attract further abundance. The law of attraction states that like attracts like. And if we are lusting after what we don't have, This is the ego mind asserting itself, asserting its desires, but the ego is never satisfied. It's always craving something more. The practice of kindness and compassion. So kindness and compassion encourages us to live in the now. These virtues encourage us to let go of past hurts and kindness and compassion reduce the levels of the stress hormone cortisol, which can improve feelings of well-being and feelings of happiness kindness and compassion towards others improves interpersonal relationships and compassion particularly can promote understanding of others behaviors and their motivations non-judgment this is a tough one as the mind is a judging machine and we are all conditioned to judge both ourselves and those around us so non-judgment is a core principle of mindfulness practice And leading a mindful life. Non-judgment increases acceptance of others and acceptance of ourselves. Non-judgment increases positive thoughts which create a positive emotional response promoting happiness. Non-judgment opens us up to more of life's beauty as we see life through a positive lens. The ego So understanding the impact of the ego on thoughts, emotions and our behavior can be really helpful. The ego often encourages constant craving and it's never fulfilled. So Eckhart Tolle, he talks a lot about the ego and in The Power of Now, he reflects on the power of the ego. He says, the ego thrives on conflict, problems and enemies to strengthen its sense of separateness On which its identity depends. It is where we enter into compulsive pursuit of physical beauty, possessions, money, success, the perfect partner and power and even the desire to be right and in control is being ego driven. If you are driven by ego you are satisfied by external things and the egoic hole is never full and never satisfied. None of these things are the true you. They are external to you. But unfortunately, in today's society, we are encouraged to identify with these things. And I have long personally struggled with the ego and many of my issues center around constantly needing feedback and reassurance from others. It's almost like my ego thrives on this feedback. And this comes from my childhood issues. And it's another thing that I'm working on. It's funny, I actually came across a quote yesterday by Joel Osteen that really resonated with me. When nobody else celebrates you, learn to celebrate yourself. When nobody else compliments you, then compliment yourself. It's not up to other people to keep you encouraged. It's up to you. Encouragement should come from the inside. So quietening our ego and the demands of our egoic mind can be a massive challenge and something that we all wrestle with but if we have awareness perhaps this is the beginning of reducing the impact of the ego attachment so western society encourages us to have strong attachments to everything in our world we are attached to so many things we are attached to materialism people thoughts emotions outcomes the past and to being right. So there's that ego again. Attachment can inhibit leading a mindful life as it causes us to suffer. As when we lose something, even something inanimate, it is very painful. Attachment makes it difficult to let go. Resistance versus acceptance. So the root of suffering is resistance and resisting what is. In Western society, we resist so much. We resist change. If we accept what is, it allows us to let go. Acceptance of our situation, it encourages us to live in the now. Acceptance promotes peace. It promotes happiness. And I personally have worked hard over the last few years on acceptance, as I truly believe it's a big key to happiness and to letting go of suffering. So on to suffering. So Buddhism tells us that we're addicted to our suffering. Suffering can make us feel stuck and it's more often than not connected to our past. Holding on to our pain and to our suffering prevents us from living in the now. If we can accept that struggles in life are a given and understand that suffering is optional, this can really help us move forward. Thich Nhat Hanh reflects that our suffering can be addictive and it is, as it is all we know and it can give us comfort. This is what he says about suffering. People have a hard time letting go of their suffering out of fear of the unknown. They prefer their suffering as it is familiar. Impermanence. So impermanence is the idea that nothing ever stays the same. Everything in life comes and goes, including our thoughts and our emotions. And I think it can be really helpful to look at our struggles through the impermanence lens. We can then take a stance that hard times never last. Impermanence emphasizes not only living in the now, but it also encourages us to savour every moment as it may not last forever. And as Eckhart Tolle states in The Power of Now, this too shall pass. And I feel this is a really powerful statement that we can lean on. For me, impermanence has helped me to work through my difficulties in the past and it's a concept that I use and lean on often. So finally, letting go. It's one of the most important concepts and, and practices of uh, mindfulness letting go allows us to live in the now to live in this moment our ego feel, fears change and letting go as it feels it's losing control we are conditioned to believe that change or letting go of old ways of doing things is uncomfortable and our mind often filters selectively remembering the discomfort we felt when changing rather than focusing on how, what we have learnt and how we have grown. Letting go improves and strengthens personal relationships and letting go promotes happiness and peace of mind. Letting go really is a vital part of mindfulness practice. Letting go is another massive challenge for all of us but there is so much value in letting go of old ways of thinking, doing and being along with, of course, just letting go of the past. So I think having an understanding of the essential components of mindfulness and some of the barriers to living a mindful life can really help us to develop insight and it can assist us to make the unconscious conscious. Once we develop this awareness, this may assist us to understand not only our ways of thinking and being, but it can also really help us to understand the motivations and the behaviours of others. And I really like this quote. In the words of wise and modern day mindfulness guru, John Kabat-Zinn, as he talks about adapting, resilience and rolling with the punches. You can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. So it's about adapting to the challenges that, that life throws at us. We can't stop those challenges, but we can learn to adapt and to overcome and just to roll with it. So thanks for stopping by today to listen to my podcast on mindfulness. If you've learned something, please feel free to share this episode. You never know, it just might help someone else. And until next time, may you have peace in your thoughts and your heart and share it with others. If for any reason you have found the content of today's podcast triggering or distressing in any way, please consider accessing some professional support. Australian mental health telephone support numbers are listed in the show notes. You've been listening to the Mindful Life podcast with your host, Marianne Eve, mental health social worker and mindfulness educator. If you'd like further information or you'd like to connect, feel free to make contact via Facebook or Instagram under the handle Mindful Life Podcast or via email mindfullifepodcast at gmail.com.